Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I'm guilty of being distracted, so I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just saying that because that's the world we live in, we have to be more intentional. We have to just say, no, there's one thing that's necessary. I need time to sit at the feet of Jesus because it's when I do that that I will become the worshiper that God is seeking. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9, in a message titled, Worship, a Beautiful Thing. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Worshiping, in the end, is beneficial to us. It's for our benefit. But as I said, God delights in our worship. Now, we think often about worship. It's our terminology that we use nowadays. We think often about worship. We think about it as singing. So we come in and we we use this terminology. We say this. It's not actually technically correct, but we all know what we're talking about. But we'd say, okay, let's, you know, let's worship, which means the band's going to lead us in a song. Now, that is not technically worship, but it can be worship. And I'm going to show you that in a minute from a couple of the Psalms. But what worship really is, it's the expression of devotion from our lives to God. We read about Abraham that he worshiped God. He never sang a song that we have any record of, but he worshiped God by obeying God. He worshiped God by by doing the things that God called him to do. And Paul would say this in Romans chapter 12. He says that our spiritual act of worship, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, our spiritual act of worship, or verse 1, is um, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our spiritual act of worship. So that, that's our worship. Our worship is we, we've given ourselves to God. That, that's where worship begins. But we can worship the Lord through song. And not only can we, but we should. Listen to what it says in a few of the Psalms. I, I was reading through these Psalms this week in the, in the 90s. And I just, I came across these Psalms that speak specifically of music. And let me read to you from Psalm 92, Psalm 95, and Psalm 96. So Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 say this. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. It is good to praise the Lord and to make music. So that that is a way that we express our worship to God. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So this is the inspired psalmist telling us, this is what we do. Let's do this. 
as the people of God. And then in Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So in each one of these, you see that there is this exhortation. There's this encouragement to sing to the Lord. So when we come together, we have this beautiful opportunity to worship the Lord. We have this this wonderful occasion where all of us together collectively can lift our voices to one another, not in fear that we're going to be criticized by the person next to us, at least we hope we're not, but knowing that we come with the freedom to express our thanks and our praise to God. Now, I... You know, I travel a bit, and I get around to different places. And, you know, I have to say that I think we're too subdued in our worship. Now, as as some of you know, you know me, you know, I'm not the most vivacious person in the room. You know, I'm not not the most... uh, you know, I, I'm not that enthusiastic. You know, I, I'm, I'm really not a cheerleader type of a, of a person. And so I, I am, by nature, pretty mellow, pretty steady. You know, my, my emotions don't really fluctuate. They don't go up much. They don't go down much. Just kind of even keeled. And even at that, sometimes I feel like we got to get some life. We, we got to get some excitement going here. We got to get some vibrancy and some enthusiasm because we're singing to the king of kings we're worshiping our savior we can be extravagant we don't have to be so subdued you know some some people think that you know some some people think that the the melody or even the the key that you play in or you know some some people think that there are certain things that are, well, that's more spiritual. Some people feel like, oh, we need those slow songs that remind us of, of those really solemn truths in scripture. And that's good at, at, at some point, but you know, you can kind of just fall asleep during those times. If you're not careful, you need some, you need something to pick you up. And, and the Lord loves that. You know, the very last Psalm, Psalm 150 is a it's talking about clanging cymbals and, you know, all kinds of noise, making a, a noise to the Lord. So what I'm saying is that when we come together, we have this beautiful opportunity, just like Mary took the opportunity. We have this beautiful opportunity to actually engage in worship. But we also run the risk of just going through the motions without really engaging. And we can do that. And, and we can do it sometimes because, oh, you know, I don't like the band or I don't like that song or, you know, but we just have to remember that that's not what it's about. You know, I mean, think about it. You come in, you sit down and you're like, oh, I don't like that song. I'm not going to worship. I, I, you know, what? You're not going to worship God because you don't like the song? Well, can't you just worship God despite of the song? But we we have to remember what we're doing. There's a story that 
I think it's kind of along these lines, but back in the presidency of Lyndon Johnson, they were around a table one time with the staff. And I think it was probably one of the chaplains was there. And they were having a, a prayer time. You know, a chaplain probably closing a meeting in prayer or something. But as he was praying, Lyndon Johnson kind of spoke up in, in kind of a gruff voice. I can't hear you. And the chaplain said, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and the same principle goes. I don't like that song. Well, we're not singing it to you. We're not singing it for you. It's for the Lord. So we don't want to do that. But then also what we don't want to do, and I have to confess that I do this sometimes, we don't want to just go through the motions. You know, you can learn the songs, and then you can kind of just, you know, you can just sing through them without even really thinking about what you're singing about. That's why I think it's important to have good, strong lyrical content in our songs, good, strong lyrical content that points us to the truth of God's word and to the truth of who the Lord is. But it is possible to just, you know, you come in and you just, your brain sort of disengages from what's happening. And, and maybe you're, you're actually singing the words to the song, but in your mind, you're somewhere else. I, that, that happens to me. So I, I would imagine it, it's happened to you as well. And I'm not here to beat anybody up over it because I do the same thing. But what I'm saying is if we come with an attitude that I have an opportunity this morning or this evening, I have an opportunity to express my thanks and my praise to God. And I take that seriously. That's, that's going to change everything. It's going to change the dynamic in the room. It's going to change the dynamic in your life. And that's what Mary did. Mary was there with Jesus, and she didn't care what anybody thought. She was going to express her affection to the Lord through this extravagant gift. Now, I quoted from the Psalms, but let me give you two other passages from the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 15 says this, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So in the, as I said, in the Old Testament, you had this elaborate sacrificial system. The sacrifices were made, and the aroma of the sacrifices would rise up into the heavens, and this was the imagery that, and God d delighted in that aroma. So we don't have a temple that offers those kinds of sacrifices anymore. How do we sacrifice to the Lord in our day and age, in the church age? How, does, how do the people of God sacrifice to the Lord? Well, this isn't the only way, but this is one way that we offer to God the sacrifice of praise. See, when we come together as a royal priesthood, we come together, and as we are praising the Lord, this is just like what those sacrifices were like in the Old Testament period. But actually, it's even more significant because we're all doing this now in and through Jesus. Those things pointed to Jesus. We are now doing it through Jesus because Jesus, of course, came and fulfilled what those things were a shadow of. 
Peter says this, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous or wonderful light. So you see, we are. Israel was, but now the church is that royal priesthood, that holy people. And as that royal priesthood, we're to offer up the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Mary becomes a beautiful picture for us of someone who does that. So this is where we can learn from Mary. So turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. There's one more passage that Mary appears in. And this passage sheds light on the passage we just read. This story shows us how it was that Mary could offer such an extravagant gift. How it was that she wasn't moved or phased by the criticism. How it was that she could just freely offer herself. This this passage shows us how she became that kind of person. So chapter 10, verse 38, Luke's gospel. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Wow. Mary. This passage, I can't tell you how many times I've been convicted by this passage over the years. It just brings everything back into perspective. But think about Mary. The context culturally is women don't do this. In this culture, you had the rabbi, the teacher, and you had the students who were men. So when the teacher is teaching, the men are learning and the women are serving. But Mary, Mary's bold. She, she's a young, I would say, She's in her teens, early 20s maybe. And she's bold. She just says, I'm going to sit down <laughs> right in the midst of these men and I'm, I'm going to listen to what Jesus says. And it says here that she sat at his feet and she heard his words. And the idea is that she heard them with understanding. See, this is the answer to why the disciples were still clueless about the future for Jesus and she was anointing his feet for, or she was anointing him for the burial because she understood what he said. She listened 
She was attentive. She sat at his feet and she heard him. And she took those things to heart and she pondered those things in her heart where they were all confused. Wait a minute, what is he saying? Go ahead and suffer, die. That, that doesn't fit with what we understand about the Messiah. And But who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? All of this stuff, this is what they're doing. And Mary's just focused. She's listening. And Jesus says, though, when Martha comes and she's distracted, but notice what Jesus says to her. He says, Martha, you're worried about many things, but one thing is necessary. Listen, we're worried about many things, but one thing's necessary. I was talking to a doctor recently, and the doctor was saying to me that the root cause of so much physically what's happening with people today with illness, he said the root cause is stress. There's so much stress in our world today that it's affecting people's health, literally. And Jesus says to Martha, basically, Martha, you're just stressed out about everything. But one thing is needed. One thing is needed. What is that one thing? The one thing that's needed is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. And Jesus said about, about Mary, he said, she has chosen the better part and that will not be taken from her. She has chosen the better part. We will become better worshipers when we choose the better part. You know, there, there's a thing amongst the Presbyterian church. It's a, a well-known theological document that was written back in the 1600s. And it's called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And the Westminster Confession of Faith asks this question, what is the chief end of mankind? And the response is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the chief purpose of our existence, to glorify God and ultimately to enjoy him forever. And as we sit at the feet of Jesus, as we push away the distractions. Now, Martha was distracted. We are easily distracted, aren't we? We live in a world that is so filled with distractions. They're everywhere. And we have to be intentional about not being distracted. You know, there's statistics, I can't remember the numbers, but I'm guilty of it as well. You know, about how many times a person with a, with a phone uh, looks at their phone a day. And it's like in the thousands. And, and it's true. And I have found myself in that place. I think I told you guys, uh, when I was in Europe for three weeks, my phone was busted. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know if I should... I didn't know if I should weep or rejoice. <laughs> but I learned to rejoice because <laughs> it was broken. And, but the funny thing was not having a phone for three weeks, I got to watch what everybody else is doing, what I would normally be doing, but I couldn't do it because I didn't have a phone. My phone was broken. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching everybody sitting at tables together, everybody looking at their phones. I don't know if any of you saw that I posted something. I was at my dad's house last Saturday for his birthday, his 80th birthday. And um, my stepmom, she just took a picture of us. We were both looking at our phones, sitting across the table. We were actually looking for something specific. We weren't just, you know, 
ignoring each other. But um, I jokingly put a little post that my dad, who wanting to maintain relevance in his 80s, he said to me, I made all this up. He, he said to me, son, let's not talk to each other. That's old fashioned. Let's just sit here and look at our phones. And some people thought that he actually really said that. So I was just joking. So no, he didn't say that. But, but you know how it is nowadays. I mean, you can be in a crowd of people. But you don't ever talk to each other because everybody's busy talking on their, or looking at their phone. That's a, that's a huge distraction. And I'm guilty of being distracted. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just saying that because that's the world we live in, we have to be more intentional. We have to just say, no, there's one thing that's necessary. I need time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because it's when I do that, that I will become the worshiper that God is seeking. When I sit at his feet, when I hear his words, I'm going to be a worshiper. And so then when I come together with God's people, I'm not going to be bored. I'm not going to be upset because I don't like the song or I don't like the band or it's too loud or all of those things. You know, I'm just going to come and say, man, we have an opportunity right now as the people of God to lift up our voices and to praise the Lord. And God delights in that. And that's amazing. And that's what we're going to do. So I want us as a church to just be more engaged in our worship and not to be distracted by those things. So as we put aside the distractions, we engage in worship and listen, it is a beautiful thing to God. But Jesus was so delighted with Mary's offering. He was so delighted. And God delights in the offering, in the sacrifices, in the worship that we give. The worship, first of all, of our lives being dedicated to him. The worship of giving extravagantly, you know, giving even gifts, giving even our, our resources. Our, you know, when we say we're going to worship in giving, that's true. That's part of worship. We're giving. But as we're singing these songs, like we saw in the Psalms, as we're offering up to God the sacrifice of our lips, the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the kind of people that God desires us to be. And so know this, it's a beautiful thing to God and it can't help but benefit us. See, that's the thing. We, we in the end are blessed by it. That's the way it always works with God. God is a blessing God. So there's any way you look at it, if you're serving the Lord, if you're worshiping the Lord, if you're loving the Lord, whatever, you know what? Guess what? You're going to get a benefit from it. You're going to get a benefit from it. And, and so the stress and all of those things that we live under, how do, I, how do I get freed up from that? Well, worship the Lord. Take the time. Make the time. And, and of course, we can do this anytime anywhere, right? We can, we can do that. But we have a special opportunity to do it together collectively. So that's why it's important to come together because we are benefited from this. There's nothing like just getting your eyes off everything else, focusing on Jesus, really understanding like Mary did who he is and what he's doing and what his purposes are and all the stuff that weighs us down and concerns us and stresses us out all of that stuff just begins to lift off of us. 
we get the benefit because it is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to God and it is beautiful for us. September, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A London Sparrow, the inspiring and true story of Gladys Allward by Phyllis Thompson. Everyone loves a story of an unlikely person overcoming insurmountable odds. And as Christians, we all want to be used by God in great ways. The story of Gladys Allward is the story of both. A woman who was rejected by the China Inland Mission due to being unfit and uneducated, but used greatly by God to reach the lost in China. A London Sparrow chronicles the Christ-led adventure of Gladys Allward's perilous and solitary journey from London to China through a war zone and prison. Be inspired by what God can do through a life that is surrendered to Him. We encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A London Sparrow. The inspiring and true story of Gladys Allward by Phyllis Thompson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.